0: Hey guys, welcome back to How They Train. First up, I, uh, I just wanted to say a little thanks for, for how well received the, the first batch of episodes have been. Um, like a lot of people have sent me some really positive feedback, and it's honestly um, meant a lot. So, yeah, thanks for that. Um, anyway, on to this episode. Today I'm joined by uh, professional triathlete Amelia Watkinson. I haven't uh, done any fact checking here, so I'm, I might have uh, some things wrong, but I think my first memory of Amelia was at 2014 um, at Challenge Gold Coast. That was a, a middle distance triathlon in Australia that, that no longer exists. Um, I was doing a training camp not far from, from the race, and uh, I popped up to watch some of my mates who I'd been training with compete. And uh, in the women's race, I'm pretty sure that day, I just expected Annabelle Luxford who was a really dominant middle distance like female triathlete in Australia uh, at that time to win the race? I, I sort of thought it was a foregone con- conclusion, um, but then this like young sort of New Zealand girl uh, Amelia crossed the line and and won. And I'm like, who is she? Uh, like, and that was fast. Uh, and and that's that's my first that's my first memory of of, of, of Amelia. Um, now obviously she's gone on to win about 20 Ironman 70.3 or Challenge middle distance races as well as winning um, the Ironman Asia Pacific Champs in Cairns uh, over the full distance in 2020. And everyone in the triathlon world knows who she is. But yeah, that's my first uh, memory of you, Amelia. Uh, Thanks for jumping on and and having a chat. How are you going?
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we just touched on some of those off air. And um, I also definitely remember that Challenge Gold Coast race. It was my very first professional race and I was incredibly nervous prior. Um, Annabelle Luxford was definitely sort of, I guess, one of my idols in the sport. Um and the, the bike was actually cut short to 40k because of some crazy storm that had come through.
0: Ah, that's right. Yeah. So I
1: think that that almost played to my advantage because just being a slightly younger athlete, I think you you go better better at maybe like a three-hour distance race rather than that four. Um, so even though the bike was my strength enabled me to run off the bike slightly faster and i think i even surprised myself crossing the line first to be honest
0: yeah. how old how well were you back then amelia
1: um oh man i don't know you make you me do maths um
0: <laughs> quick math what
1: is that 2014 it's like eight years ago seven years ago so i would have been early 20s 20 i'm 30 now <laughs> Um, 23, I guess, 22.
0: Yeah. And before that, I just don't know anything about your life before that. Had you been um, training towards becoming a pro triathlete, or, or what's your story there?
1: Um, yeah, I did a lot of cycling as sort of under 19 athlete through high school um, and running. And I sort of tried swimming and it just progressed from there. I guess I love the cycling, but once you leave that under 19 category, when I was in New Zealand, there wasn't an under 23 category. So the jump to open was huge. You know, it meant going and joining a, you had to come to Aussie to get on the teams to try and join a, a world tour team. And I didn't even envisage myself there. So I went to uni and followed the path and just did a few triathlon races for fun, I suppose. Um, and I also coach cycling. So I I had to keep fit because I needed to keep up with the kids.
0: (laughs) This is explaining a lot about the way you race triathlon. Actually, I I never knew you had that background in cycling, but it it makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I love the bike racing and, it's just, it's really interesting sort of how you perceive professional sports when you're younger and who you know. I actually knew one of the top professional long-distance triathletes, Joe Lorne, was my neighbor. Huh, right. So probably if I'd never met her, it wouldn't have entered my realm at all to be a professional athlete. But yeah, thanks to her, I, it's probably actually part of the reason why I'm I'm here now. They helped me took me to the bike shop to buy my first bike. Um, I didn't even know where the brakes were on a road bike. <laughs> <laughs> so we've come, we've come a long way since, I don't know, I was maybe 16 or 17.
0: Yeah. And um, when you, when you were training back then, do you remember like the kind of stuff you were doing?
1: Ah, oh. <clears throat> in cycling. Yeah. We, we had a really strong group. So our club, you know, we would meet at 5:30 doesn't feel that early now that you live on the sun well I live on the sunshine coast it's normal but in in the city in Auckland 5:30 was very early to be waking up as a teenage kid and um we would do sort of group rides we had a route called the roller coaster and these team time trials and it was all about just keeping up and keeping on the wheel and not letting your team down because um the races that we sort of the series that our our team aimed for, you know, it's a team time trial. You start with five girls, and you're allowed to drop, allowed to drop one or two. Um, but if you're already down to three riders, you can't. <laughs> no matter how bad you're heading, you can't drop off because it messes it up for everyone else. So, yeah, I think that's where that really strong mentality of keeping up came through.
0: Yeah, you can literally still see that in the way that you you ride the bike in, in a triathlon to this day. I reckon. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> you're letting everyone else down if you if you mess it up, so you can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that, and that's like, I'm obviously a big fan of the, the sport of triathlon. and probably the thing that I like most about the way you race is just how aggressive you are on the bike. And you can sort of always tell that that when you're uh, riding a time trial you are just like, you're going to the edge Um, and and it's what makes you one of my favorite uh, athletes to watch.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, You've definitely got to save some, save some for the run. It's quite the balance triathlon. It's what makes it exciting. Um, But at the same time, it's surprising how hard you can push on the bike and still run off well. So um, yeah, that's part of the tactic of the sport and who you're with on the bike on race day as well, which makes it really interesting.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, um, are you training for anything at the moment, Amelia?
1: Um, so unfortunately I am coming off an injury, but we're progressing really well and I'm back running or walk running. Um, I'm currently actually sitting up in Harvey Bay. There's a, a local criterium bike race tomorrow for a bit of fun. Right. And... The real deal. I think there won't be any more domestic races until the new year. Down in Victoria, we've got things like Geelong and some of the local, um, husky try and Gundawindi tries in February. So yep. those will be next up before we have the the big races overseas.
0: Yeah. And what 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 was your injury?
1: Uh, I had a stress fracture in my in my hip. So that's just overuse. Um, bone injury, fairly, unfortunately common in endurance athletes. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's not my first one. So I, have you know, progressed and, and dealt with it really well, but it of course takes a toll on, on the head. I think the biggest, not being able to do what you want to be doing in overseas racing, but I've sort of managed to work on other things, which we always, you know, you work on the can-dos as you get through these injuries, which works
0: out well. And did you get that overuse stressy um, when you were training for a big event?
1: Um, it actually came as quite a surprise to me, to be honest. Um, we've been really cautious and in, in our training methods this year. So we started with just the, the domestic season. Well, I came off the back of Daytona. Um, 2020 was my last big race. So almost a year ago now, actually. Um, And then we had a training break, did the quarantine, built up just really minimal, pretty cruisy training for the domestic races, knowing that the big international season was going to be Kona, which actually has been postponed, and 70.3 World Champs. So those included the, the previous races. So they just listed as well as Ironman Cairns. But the thing is stress fractures, you know, they're not due to just one thing. Um, so it's not the training is a tiny little piece it's all the other things that obviously you know we work really hard at but they do sometimes just slip a little like your sleep and your diet but you know I would actually pride myself in some of those things but obviously it's really specific and everyone's so different so it's frustrating but a big learning curve and rewarding getting through them
0: yeah, and it's um it's something that I think all athletes whether whether you've been in the sport for, you know, 6 months or whether you're a professional of 10 years can really resonate with. Like everyone's been through an injury like that and they're super frustrating and mm. and you sort of question everything and and you go through this roller coaster of emotions that that every single person listening would be able to relate to.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Most people have at one stage or another gone through something which is I guess we can all come together on that one too. Most people say sport, you know, sport gives and sport takes. You can't have it all.
0: Yeah, that's good. Hey, hey you, you mentioned that um, you're, you pride yourself on being, you know, really onto those couple of things like sleep and, and diet. Is, is that a big part of, of what makes you the athlete you are?
1: um i think just that i have had quite a few injuries in the past um those are really key areas for me that seem to make a really big difference and kind of weaknesses so just a couple of things that i've been working really hard on over the the last few months specifically i guess and i mean i've always eaten with the stereotypical healthy but it's just the little things um i guess specifically protein intake i'm prefer to be plant-based i've really really (laughs) probably tripled my protein intake which um, seems to be helping hopefully
0: yeah um is that hard like i i actually didn't know that you were plant-based um so does that mean um that you have historically struggled with with your protein consumption and and that's why you made a a conscious conscious effort to increase it
1: Yeah, I think so. And obviously like if I wasn't putting my body under the, the strain of, you know, our sport isn't healthy. (laughs) If I wasn't trying to do that, I think, um, it would be easier, but I just, for me personally can't get what I need in being completely plant-based. So now I'm eating, you know, fish and eggs a little bit. And just, I think even though I don't like it and there probably are other ways, um, just a matter of finding routine and finding what you can implement day in, day out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And are you, are you um, like, because obviously you can get like plant based protein shakes and that sort of thing. Has that become a big part of your, um, your, like your diet?
1: Yeah. I think that's a really convenient way to get things in. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, definitely have quite a few <laughs> smoothies.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, changing tact a little bit. Do you, so can you sort of, um, open the lens and take us into what a what a sort of typical training week looks like for you when you are training for a big race that you care about
1: yeah so i guess a lot of our big blocks will go overseas and do the do a training camp um the last time i guess that was 2019 um, I'm coached by Cameron watt and we were up in there's a group of group of us, most of them are based in Brisbane um, and a couple of us are up on the Sunshine Coast. So we tend to go and do a big camp in 2019, we was in St. Moritz. Well, we normally—I guess—what sort of details do you want to know day to day?
0: Yeah, all of it. So, um, <laughs> I, I guess like some really key things are like how how much volume do you do per week, uh, and then like how much of each sport, and then inside that, what does what does each each of those uh, three disciplines look like week to week?
1: Yeah, of course, it varies a lot. Swimming is a big is a big part. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a weak swimmer, but I'm not the strongest either. But I think the way that Cam um, gives it to us is that swimming is not just about the swim discipline. It's also a way of getting really good fitness um, and just general endurance without the impact from the cycling and the running. So, especially for more injury prone athletes. Um, I mean, there's so many examples. The kids that I swim with up in Noosa, it's a pretty high performing squad that a few Olympians come out of the infamous coach they are so um just a couple of the 16 year old kids you know they run once a week just for fun and they can go to the local cross country or the state cross country champs and still finish in the top 20 so it kind of proves how much of a base like your heart and lungs the swim gives you Um, and then if you're a natural um in quotation marks runner (laughs) it comes together quite nicely so swimming plays a big part for me in my training off the back of that. Yeah,
0: and, and with that swimming, how much are you actually doing? So are you in the pool every day? Are sometimes you in the pool twice a day? Like what would weekly volume look like?
1: Yeah, so in a swim block, um, which we often start the year on, um, yeah, do be in the pool six days a week and then uh, maybe two or three doubles, you know, if you're injured, which I was a couple of months ago doing up to eight or nine sessions per week. And some of them are six to seven to eight kilometers. So they're pretty, pretty big. Most of the training that I've done is really volume based. Um, but there's, there's plenty enough quality in there as well. Um, and that probably crosses over to, to the bike as well. I quite like a lot of volume, but we often break it down, you know, into, double or triple bike days um so you can get more quality in there and it also you know the builds the fatigue up in your legs i don't know if people have tried you know you can have a big three hour session um, and you might do some strength endurance big gear efforts and then try and do some race pace efforts off the back of that in one session that's actually easier than for me anyway then breaking it off if I do the big gear and then wait a few hours and then do the race intensity, like the fatigue is in your legs already.
0: Yeah, so what might, what might be an example of that? So say you do a double bike day, how, how would that actually look?
1: Yeah, exactly like that, some big gear effort. So it's all about the, the minutes of that intensity. You can break it up how you like with the kind of 50% of the rest. So if it's a four-minute effort, two-minute rest, um, or you can do it shorter, you know, one minute on one minute off, um, or if you've got some good mountain passes around, that's nice as well. But, and then the, a session of, you know, maybe five or eight minutes, or if you're training more an Ironman block, you can do, I quite like doing the builds 30 minute blocks. It sort of doesn't matter how, how many minutes you are at that intensity, as long as you're getting it in. Obviously, if it's shorter intervals, it's easier to hold the intensity if you're in a really big training block.
0: Yeah. And when you're, so you obviously um, are saying that you do a lot of um, like low cadence, really big gear strength work on the bike. Yeah. Has that always been a part of your training or is that just since you've been um, in Cam Watts training group and, and how does that look? So like, do you have like cadence numbers that you guys say, Hey, this is what we want to hit, or is it more just like a, um, a feel thing?
1: Yeah. I actually hate big work, big gear work. I always have, (laughs) but they, it's true. You know, if you hate it, it's really good for you. As when I was younger, I don't think I, I did it, um, much, but I think the terrain around me, was always quite hilly so you can kind of get it if you just go for a for a three-hour ride and you go a couple of gears harder than feels comfortable you're going to get some of the same effect as sitting on the turbo and doing the big gear if it's as well yeah um but i guess it's easier doing it on the turbo more controlled environment it doesn't have to be like that
0: how much um of your riding do you do on the indoor trainer at the moment
1: quite a lot actually um for intervals i just find it safer and easier or if i feel like it like sometimes you just get in the groove and really love the turbo at the moment i mean it's summer i'm loving riding outside and with people so i'm doing more of that i think that's probably you know the the whole enjoyment happy athlete you know, fast rider type of theory yep. has a lot of truth to it. But if you're down in Vic and it's still raining and cold, then I'd probably be
0: opting for the turbo. <laughs> That's me. That's me right now, actually.
1: <laughs> and Zwift. And Zwift is pretty good.
0: Yeah. So I've I've rode on the on the indoor trainer twelve days straight right now.
1: <laughs> okay. Well there we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not because I enjoy it either. Um and and you said that you do um a lot of volume on the bike and and you know days where you'll do two rides or three rides um how much like volume would a big bike week look like for you
1: yeah it definitely depends on the quality of the kilometers too doesn't it so for example um a lot of the turbo sessions just the 10 or 15 minute warm-up do the session 10 or 15 minute warm down and get off whereas if i was going to do that same session on the road it's going to take me you know, 45 minutes, an hour to ride to the hill that I want to do the session on and then ride back. So we cut out quite a lot of the supposed junk miles, but in like this time of year, maybe like 400, 500 kilometers, but because I'm not running, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, varies so much. It's really, really tough to say. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where most of the extra kilometers come from. It's just the warm up
0: and warm down yeah and and how many sessions like do you do you have some quality in all of your rides that you do, or are some of your rides just easy rides?
1: Yeah, some of it is based on on your your feel, but I think that normally I'm only riding zone one it's sort of easy, easy spins if it's straight after a hard run session. Um, other than that, I think I get a lot more benefit riding a little bit. I mean it's still easy but just not too easy you know. you've kind of got to be in zone two to be getting the benefit out of riding I think unless you're going for longer than five hours
0: yeah and do you so you obviously talked about how you break your your rides up quite regularly um but do you ever just do you know yeah long long rides like five six seven hour rides where where you do it continuous
1: yeah yeah i love long rides i think they're my favorite if i had to pick one session i could only ever do it would probably be a long ride with a coffee stop <laughs> um most most people are all for the coffee stops um yeah. yeah normally four or five hours or five and a half is about as far as i go when it's longer than that it's sort of an an epic adventure ride category type thing
0: yeah and um Obviously, you're injured at the moment with with the run, but but when you're not and everything's going going well, uh, what does what does a run week look like for you?
1: Yeah, we often run just every. I would say I'm quite a low volume run athlete. Um, so the other two disciplines, I uh, get a little bit more volume in, and running every second day, um, normally, just to give everything a chance to heal, I guess. Quite a lot on the treadmill as well, uh, which I guess is also a change. I, I never used to enjoy the treadmill, but it has a lot of benefit in leg speed and a soft being a soft surface. Yeah, not too much speed work. Most of the most of the speed work is just before events like proper intervals, um, and then just leg speed through like hill sprints or strides on a regular thing to keep the leg speed over. I'd do that on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, what would your hill um, hill reps or, or strides look like?
1: Just like anywhere 15 to 30 seconds on and the same or more rest. So on the, on the minute or something. Yeah. It's actually a really fun workout doing it on the track. You kind of go 200 on, 200 off. I love that with a group of people it's quite a fun session but otherwise doing it on the treadmill is really good and you can tag team that's a bit of a, a famous tri workout which is amazing for high cadence and i guess you can you can still do it and it's the fatigue is maybe is treated as a 30 to 40 minute jog but you're getting the leg speed so it's a lot more valuable
0: you and do you do anything else? So are you someone who, you know, does gym work or, or just does other things? So you, you obviously talked about your, your swimming, your riding, your running, then how you focus on um, sleep and nutrition. But is there anything else that sort of makes up the whole of your program?
1: Yeah, I guess just the extras. Um, anything extra? I definitely do gym work. I've been doing a lot of gym work for the last 10 years. I enjoy it as well. I guess just factoring in your, your downtime and, and being organized, you still have to structure your sessions and, and try and be a normal a normal person.
0: Yeah. And um, have you always been um, in the, the tri group coached by Cam? What has that been your group? Um, Cause you're, you're from New Zealand obviously. So do you, you moved over to Australia to, to train with, with that group. Is that right?
1: Not quite like that, I suppose. I've been with Cam for maybe 18, 19, maybe three years or just over now, maybe almost four. Um, I started in New Zealand um, with Bevan McKinnon. For, he has a podcast as well, actually, called Fitter Radio. And what? Actually, no, I had a co- coach prior to that. I had a few coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds bad. Um Another coach prior to that was Chris Pallone, who's quite a a well-known run coach, um, uses the sort of Arthur Lydiard mentality. So I learned a lot from him. He was my very first coach, actually, kind of at an elite level. You definitely learn a lot through each coach. You know, you progress with the different theories. That's probably what makes triathlon so exciting, isn't it? We often look back, actually, you know, and say, oh, in 2016 I was biking great. I want to go back and do those sessions. But it doesn't work like that because what had the effect back then doesn't have the same effect now because we're completely different athletes. Yeah. So each each coach I've I've learned a lot from, but I'm happy where I'm where I'm at right now. It probably takes, you know, even two years for like different training um, to have its effect and for you to get to know each other as well that's part of it and really trust each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've um I, I don't really um know much about about your squad, but when I have talked to people who have been in it or who or, or even just other triathletes in the space, they all talk about um how hard it is and and like you said it's pretty high volume. Um so you're obviously in it. What what is the hardest session you you've done?
1: Uh, We do some huge brick training days, you know, maybe like 10 days out from an Ironman or just over maybe two weeks. I think it's normally 10 days. Anyway, it's, it's just a huge, um, a big hard ride, you know, a build, a build ride. So maybe you've got like an hour and a half of intensity kind of building from Ironman to half Ironman pace on the road. And then you get off quickly, change, try and hopefully you ate enough during that bike session to do, to do a run set on the track, which is normally a set of 25 or even 30, 800s. And then I normally, for the last few times, I've driven down from the Sunshine Coast to Brisbane just to add a little bit of extra training stress. I call it like my altitude, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you you go and recover for a few hours, and we meet back at the pool for some you know hard session. I don't know, maybe a broken down set of three or four 1500s or something into you broken. So yeah maybe through some 300s and then the last 1,500 you just go all out hard with your pool boy paddles, of course, because we need the strength.
0: <laughs> that is a massive session 10 days out from a race.
1: You feel that sick feeling on the car. You're lying on the couch and you actually feel sick. You can't eat, so you know you've, you know you've pushed hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do, do you dread that session or is it something that you look at as an opportunity?
1: No, I really like those hard days because – you get a lot of confidence out of them um, and you're doing it together. Everyone feels the same and it's it's quite a sense of accomplishment actually because if you can execute that well, then hopefully you're going to have a good race. And if you don't execute it well, well, it's a bloody hard day. So <laughs> normally yeah. in one of the three disciplines, um, you do well.
0: And, um, after that, is that sort of like the last big session you'll do? And then you do like a pretty strong taper or, or what does like a typical taper into a, into a race look like for you?
1: Yeah. So I think a lot of, a lot of people, um, actually don't need much of, no, that's personal. Actually. I personally don't need much of a taper. So I like to keep going, um, with a fair few efforts. Um, right up until the Tuesday. And actually I've had some great races where I've just trained like on my regular program right up to Thursday and just had Friday, Saturday, easy, and then raced on a Sunday. I think it can almost be like a little bit mental because you take some of the expectation off because you're still in your training block and you're just treating it as another really hard training day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, um, yeah. I think, I think it's, it's personal, how much, um, taper you need. And it also depends how much volume you're doing week on week off because your body's used to that much and that that's just carrying on with what it's, with what you're used to.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned before that you, uh, you do, you go down to Brisbane for some uh, altitude training, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> When you're when you are leading into a race that you care about, do you do specific altitude or heat blocks?
1: I love Saint Moritz being up at altitude. Obviously, in Australia, we don't have access to that much. The heat, I think, works. Well, I don't know differently, but just as effectively. I was also based in Asia for a number of years and reacted really well to the heat training, as long as you're still racing in the heat, obviously. I'm certainly not afraid of doing my long runs in the middle of summer at midday, as long as you're wearing sunblock. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that that's, it's just an extra stressor on the body. And as long as you work around it with your hydration and things like that, and you don't not backing it up with another hard workout, it's, it's a good way to do things
0: yeah um how how much do you focus on like hydration and and do you have like um say if you were to do a long ride in 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 the middle of the day do you have like a hydration protocol that you would always use
1: i guess i guess i still operate a bit to to feel with that i mean i know that in in summer up here i need at least one normally like three electrolyte, just the noon or something tablets Combined with, you know, I use infinite nutrition in a lot of my training sessions just because it's an easy carb and sugar on my on my stomach. So I just I just know that I need I need the sugar and carbs on my hard sessions and the electrolytes because it's hot and you're sweating it out. And you'll be on the couch feeling sorry for yourself if you don't.
0: Yeah. Um that just reminded me, um, it's sort of taken it away a little bit, but something that's sort of like uh been, uh, talked about a lot in the last couple of years is, is whether you train, uh, with, with eating beforehand or, or fasted. Do you, do you have sort of like a, um, a, a belief in one or the other?
1: Oh, definitely. I despise not getting to have coffee and breakfast before training. I was stoked when Stacey Sims, you know, the whole females don't need to do faster training came out because, um, it's definitely something I really struggle with and I never saw any benefits from doing my training sessions fasted. It, it just made it incredibly tough for me. So, um, I'm on the hard side of definitely have breakfast before training.
0: Yeah. And are you, you talked about how you, you're drinking, um, sugar as you ride, but are you, uh, are you someone who also like, um, takes on a lot of calories through eating when you, when you ride or, or swim or run?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's something I've probably learned the hard way is just the recovery. If you're not eating during, I mean, I only do, I only having that, if it's a hard session, I can go a three hour easy ride without hunger, you know, hunger bonking or anything like that. But on your hard sessions and anything longer than three hours, if I'm not eating during the ride, just um, it's taking it out of me, you know. The recovery is so much longer for for no extra benefit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And inside you, you obviously have a really strong training group. Is there um someone inside your training group who sort of is always doing um, your training with you and like you're sort of you love to compete against in training and really really helps uh, motivate you, or is a lot of your stuff um, you're training with a group but you're solo training inside that?
1: Well, to be honest, I'm actually in the Sunshine Coast. So I swim with a, most of the time, I'm swimming with the swim squad, which primarily incredibly fast little kids. <laughs> and as always, the 12-year-olds are faster.
0: Yeah, I can relate.
1: <laughs> and then I just go down to Brisbane or on training camp with our squad. So I think, you know, most of us females. So there's certainly at times can be, hilarious um dynamic (laughs) it gets to be more hilarious for me because i'm normally not part of it but um on a whole i think we all get on quite well Um, there's a good bunch and we know that you know if we're all pushing each other we're all getting better yeah i think it works quite
0: well and is that dynamic funny because it's just a group of, you know, really strong willed um, women trying to get like trying to become the best in the, in the world at their sport.
1: Yeah, exactly. And females can be, can be awful at times, but <laughs> at least, at least we can all normally laugh about it. Um, you know, even a couple of days later,
0: <laughs> Yeah, a couple of days. Yeah. right. Um, and might uh, take months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. And uh, on that, do you have like someone who when you race against um, you would look at as like almost like a rival or someone that you'd love to race against or, or you know, have a really um, strong history of of they win one, you win one and, and like, and then on that, do you think about that inside of training? And does that motivate you?
1: And not heaps to be honest. I mean, we all know our rankings and a lot of us are differently. Like we all have our strengths. I raced Ellie Salt House a lot the last year. I think she beat me at all, most of them. I think I got her at Harvey Bay at the end of 2020 and then she had an amazing start of the season. Um, Renee, Kyle and I always have a little bit of a banter. But she's she loves the Ironman and I prefer the half. So you know what I mean? Everything's a little bit separated. We've all got our strengths and weaknesses. So... I quite like it like that because you can train together with slightly separate goals yet still work working well together.
0: Yeah, and and when so when you're out training or or when you're thinking about training, what does motivate you? What what's the reason why you do it? And and uh, and and what gets you out the door every day?
1: Well, that's a very hard, deeper motivating question, isn't it? <laughs> I think about this, but um, I guess I've always done it. You know, we. We have goals at the start and it's it's that idea that you've got to finish what you started. So I mean, it would be our hobby otherwise, but we're trying to we're making a career out of it. We want to make ourselves better. We want to make everybody better. I, I also believe in women's sport and wanting more females in the sport. So that's important too. Um yeah. What gets me out the door each morning is is probably more routine and than actual, I don't think I think about the motivation each day. I just set my alarm, get up and and do it. And you feel good afterwards. When you sit down and think about it too hard, that's when the trouble
0: starts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, best not to think about it.
1: <laughs> Sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, then you start <laughs>
0: questioning everything. Yep. Um, <laughs> when, what about when you're racing? Like, um, let, let's say, for example, um, Ironman can. So you, you win that race. Um, and in that last hour or the last two hours when, when you're fighting for that win, what are you thinking about? Are you just so... Um, in the in the moment of, of just trying to get through the next meter that you're not really thinking about much or or does some sort of deeper um, you know motivation um, cross your mind
1: yeah there's always we've all got our you know our deep motivation within you know little experiences that make us really hungry or hard times that we've pushed through and you know you pushed through those hard times and you can push through, you know, everything ahead type type thing, and then when you're actually out there, it's it's sort of a matter of you've come this far. I mean, Ironman is so emotional. I think I've done three Ironmans and cried on the finish line of all three of them. Oh, really? <laughs> a lot of a lot of crazy thoughts go through your mind, and I think you're bottling it all in. And it's it's not just the race itself, but the process of getting there. I guess it's it's kind of a cross between exhaustion and, and happy tears as well, <laughs> but you're hungry, you know, when you're out there, I think just like your natural instinct just, just kicks in.
0: Yeah. And I guess that the fact that when you do cross the, the line, you are sort of overwhelmed with emotion probably shows, um, a how deep you went and, and how hard it was, but, but also b how much it means to you.
1: Yeah. I Some of my finish line photos I look back on and I'm act, I I actually regret not smiling a little bit, a little bit more. But um, I think it is just such an unusual combination of emotions that, at those really big finish lines where you put a lot of expectation on yourself as well. I think even if you win, it's still, maybe relief is the right word sometimes. Like you're loving it, but it's just unusual uh, unusual
0: bottling of emotions yeah um I think probably a lot of people feel that way I think that's maybe like a big reason why people go back to events that are so long and hard like that you know people doing marathons or people doing Ironman is is that sort of unique um feeling you get when you cross the line and I I don't really obviously a lot of people can't relate to you know some finish line experiences you've had where you're winning in front of a crowd and Um, and you know, you've made a a really, um, big payday and that sort of stuff. But even for, for people who are crossing the line as, as just amateurs who, who, you know, um, maybe don't get that same sort of, um, external recognition, but the internal feelings probably pretty similar. And, and that's what like brings a lot of people back to the events.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you always, you know, it's very rare that you get a process perfect and the build up and everyone kind of hopes that they'll put it all together perfectly um, and that's what makes it so addictive I think and it's also of course about the community like everyone being there together and and doing it for bigger reasons as well which is nice and you're actually someone told me a story a couple of nights ago they did a they did a run and their kids weren't interested in sport at all the dad did sport and the mum didn't and the the girls, you know, got all motivated. They wanted to do, do something because their mom was, so it's just like little bits of inspiration that, that comes from watching other people too.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to what you said about a, a, like a, a motivating um, factor for you is that you want to inspire other people, particularly um, other females to, to you know, um, chase, chase the path of, of professional sport and, and triathlon. Yeah. Um, changing, changing tack again a little bit. Um, when it comes to to you, something that I really uh, love about you is that you have one of the best bike positions in female triathlon, without question. Like it's just a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, do you focus on that sort of thing, like your bike position and and all the gear you're wearing, and you know your race suit? And uh, are you like a, a details nerd when it comes to that sort of stuff?
1: I definitely take pride in my bike. Like I've I've always enjoyed. I think it's really important that you know how to fix the basics when you're traveling with your bike, because a lot of the time you're by yourself. Um, and especially when I first started racing in Asia, there wasn't necessarily, um, heaps of access to things when you got to the other, to the, to the race destination. Thank you for for the compliment on my bike position. (laughs) It definitely, I mean, it's an important factor, um, To your race, you know, you're putting out the same amount of watts as someone else, but if your bike position is is better and you've trained to be able to ride well in that position, you know, you're you're saving a lot and it's comfortable. So yeah, I I like those details and training around key races. We definitely do an awful lot of riding in our time trial position as much as I like riding my road bike. You you definitely need the time. In TT position, so yeah, I think it's something that some people overlook, and a lot to do with the pelvis. You know, I've especially lately have been doing a lot of mobility work to be able to get into that position, and it and it really does pay off. You know, you've got to do it for a few months, but I think it pays dividends.
0: Yeah, and do you focus on um, on those same things in the other two disciplines, like in the swim? Are you are you someone who thinks about um, you know, the, the gear that you, that you're choosing um, or is it just sponsor based? So you, 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 use what you have to use and, and same on the run. Like, are you someone who really thinks about the shoes you use and the socks you use and whether you use socks and, and the hat you wear and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like my details, but I try not to obsess about them because sometimes it just is what it is. You know, I think we're really lucky sponsor wise these days obviously we're going to choose it's as a pro it's performance-based so well for me my personal view is i'm not going to wear something that's going to impact my performance so we're lucky to have that flexibility racing as like individual athletes like that um i've worn Asics running shoes for the past like 20 years of my life um and tried plenty of others along along the way and they just I, I enjoy them. They work for my feet. Most of yeah, the other gear, I think there's this flexibility on, but finding what works for you certainly makes, mm-hmm. makes a difference. You know um, I've tried Nikes because for a while I watched everyone else running really fast in Nikes, but they <laughs> didn't, they didn't work for me. So they're not just fast because of the other shoes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh we all do that, don't we? We do. We like we see we see someone who we look up to or who's doing something better than us and we go, "Oh, it must be because of that thing they're using." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Hey um I might just um finish up here. I just want to ask one more question. Um thanks so much for your, for your time, Amelia. Um it's been it's been awesome. With your training at the moment, you're obviously coming um back off this this stress fracture. Um what's your next big goal? So you've obviously you've been a, a really wildly successful middle distance triathlete, but you also mentioned into Ironman, like I think you've probably done three or four Ironmans. Would that be right? Yeah. Um, and, and won a, you know, a regional championships with Cairns. Um, what's your, what are your goals um, looking like, you know, into the future? What's your, what's your, you know, the big thing that if you could achieve, that would be, that would be it.
1: Yeah. I'm really, really excited for next year. Um, it feels like a, a long time for me. Um, the travel is a huge part of the sport and being able to go to those big races, racing, the big, the big events is something I pride myself in. I, I often go better at the championship events than the small ones. So next year we've got the Kona in Utah. So world champs in Utah in May and then 70.3 world champs, uh, in the end of October in the same location in St. George again. So for me, I'm just really focused on, on that block, you know, that's quite far away, but there's enough small stuff in the interim to keep things exciting. And I would just love to perform at those big races (laughs) against the best. And it just, it's excited, excites me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and on that, do you focus on um, on what some of the other girls who are going to be at, say, um, Ironman World Championships are doing, or is your training just your training, and you have belief in that?
1: I definitely pay attention to what other people are doing. You know, there's. uh, I know for sure, like the inward idea is quite nice, but I think reality is it's our competition, so like it doesn't affect me too much. So it doesn't have place negative impact on me to be, you know, talking to them and seeing what they're doing.
0: Is there one athlete in particular who you really pay attention to and maybe even have, have copied some of their training in the past?
1: Huh. No, not really. I've recently gotten back on Strava. So now I can stalk everyone. <laughs> <laughs> they can stalk me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're probably doing the same to you.
1: <laughs> um. No, unfortunately, as much as the PTO would really like us to have hard and fast rivalries because it's much more exciting, I think, I don't know, the triathlon personalities, the way we race doesn't normally lend itself to super tough rivalries, I think. I think like it's a different dynamic.
0: If you could, though, say you're, um, you know, you're in the last hour at the Ironman World Championships next year and hypothetically you're in a one-two battle with someone, is there someone you would want that to be?
1: Well, I guess Lucy Charles is currently the reigning champ up at the half distance. And then Daniella. So just with the best, I guess. Yeah. You want to be up in the best and mixed and mingling it with the good ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great, a great tone to end on, I reckon. Um, and it's, I think that's what I've always assumed about you, um, watching you race is that, yeah. And I sort of mentioned it earlier is you just, you just look like you you're out there and when you're racing, you're racing hard and, and you want to be in it. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that you would, you would want to, you know, race the best and, and beat the best.
1: Yeah. My, my mum drilled into us as kids. That's still with me as an adult is that, um, if you're going to do something, you need to do it properly. Otherwise she'd make us do it again. So <laughs> that sticks with you, doesn't it? Yeah. So if you're going to do the race, do it properly because you're there anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a good lesson I learned early. Awesome. Uh, thanks heaps for coming on Amelia. That was, that was great. Um, I, I reckon a lot of people are going to, are going to get a lot out of that. Um, hopefully, particularly some, some other female triathletes or, or people who are, are following you and, and, you know, it motivates them or inspires them to, to con- continue training and, and look at what you've done and, and, and go and try and achieve the same.
1: Yeah, for sure. Always happy to answer questions if anyone has any on social media. I may be slow to reply, but eventually I'll get
0: there. Awesome. Cool. Hit Amelia up if you've got any questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Have a good day, Amelia. Thanks again. Bye.